from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now, stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. This would be the Jeff Cameron Show right here on 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Today's show, the purposes of the rules, is recorded. Uh, a little bit earlier in the day, my son has a procedure right when my show is starting. It's a medical procedure. Nothing terrible. I don't want anybody to be wringing their hands or anything like that. Um, but, but he does have to have a minor uh, surgery today, and I'm planning to be there with him. So Tom and I had to record this morning, plus Tom's going out of town. That's what's going on. Uh, but we wanted fresh content for the show here on 93.3, as well as Warchant TV and the pods and all that good stuff. So there's plenty to get into, and uh, it really won't affect the fact that uh, we're not on right at one, but instead uh, did the show a little bit earlier. But we wanted to get that out there just so you know that. Uh, you know, it may end up acting as a Seminole Headlines curse that you guys are well aware of. Typically, um, in the past, when we used to record Seminole Headlines instead of do it live, we would do the show, and then invariably some sort of big news would break and instantly date the show. That may be the case today with the Jeff Cameron show because there is a thought that we're going to hear something from Jared Verse. Uh, maybe today, maybe not. Don't know, but it is expected to come this week. So at this point, we're kind of just eh, wait and see. Uh, hopefully, um, hopefully it's good news. The the vibe I can tell you around the program, and I've been. Pretty spot on with these things so far. Uh, I mentioned I thought we'd get two of the three back. Uh, we got one of them back in Fabian Lovett. I'm not surprised that Jamie Robinson went pro. Truthfully, Jamie needed to go pro. I don't think there was anything he could have done to improve his stock whatsoever. Uh, he had already shown what he was going to show on tape. He wasn't going to get any bigger than he is. He wasn't going to get any faster than he is. He had a good season, so it's not like he's coming off a bad year. He needed to take it to the pros, and I wish him nothing but the best. For Jared Verse, it's an interesting question. We'll bring Tom in here in a second. But for, for Jared Verse, it's interesting because uh, I've talked to some people close to the program. I've talked to some people that have had discussions, I think, um, that would be in the know. Uh, and, and he's getting an interesting feedback from the league. Uh, when you look at projected drafts, mock drafts, and there are – Hundreds, And if you want to dive into those mock drafts, and I'll tell you something right now, that's a niche thing that works. I do dive into those things. I love the draft. It's not unlike um, other people's side passions. You may love Formula One. You may love golf. I love golf. And I'll, I look at every tournament, and I look at the strength of every tournament field, uh, and I gamble on golf. So I dive well into the deep end of every tournament, even if it's an insignificant tournament. Well, I love the draft, and a lot of people love the draft, and they love analysis surrounding the draft. My point is, if you took a look at 20 mocks, and I probably have at this point, 
you'd see Jared Verse projected, and I'll say this, Tom, I saw Jared Verse projected in one draft as high as 11. Now, if Jared Verse was going to go 11th, he needs to take it to the league. There's no reason whatsoever to come back if you're going to go in the top 15, top, if you're going to go in the first round. If you're going to go in the first round, there is no reason, in my opinion, to come back. It, whether that's 29th, because you think you can be a top 10 pick, okay, man, look, go take your millions. You're going to be a first-round pick. But the more common analysis of Jared Verse by a lot of people around the league seems to be that he is a very late first, if at all, and more likely a mid to late second. And some of that might not have to do with the projected talent of Jared Verse, but rather how many really good defensive ends there are in this upcoming draft and where he would slot. Remember, Jared doesn't have a ton of experience playing big-time college football. It's just this year. I mean, he played at Albany the year before. You can throw out all that tape, save for the game against Syracuse that he had that year. That's a, a worthless tape for the NFL. They're not even looking at anything he did at Albany. So they're primarily looking at this year. And if you look at this year, you see all the tools. You see the strength. You see the speed off the edge. He doesn't have a wide variety of moves to the quarterback, but he's not defenseless either. He's got enough tools in the arsenal to be effective most games. He had a couple of games against good offensive tackles where he was stymied greatly. That won't play well. He's had a lot of good games too. And so I think people would see the tools and they'd say, man, I just need to see a little bit more. I just need him to have more consistent play. Remember, he played a lot of this season banged up. We didn't see the best version of Jared Verse. Jared Verse had several injuries to his lower body. It's hard to have that great get off, as they say, when you're dealing with a knee or an ankle or a foot. He had a lot of problems with his legs this year. So I think the best is ahead of, for Jared Verse. And what he would have to hope for to become a first-rounder is that they saw the burst and the strength and understood that he played a lot with a lower body injury and that if you project, you're getting a young guy whose star is on the rise, not a guy that is maxed out because he's played three years of highly competitive football. Uh, that's what you would have to hope. Uh, the worst-case scenario is that there are five guys with bona fide tape, six guys with bona fide tape at the highest level or Power 5 competition that are slotted ahead of him with a lot more reps to secure confidence in whoever the GM is, taking a look at that, making that pick, coaches, GM, talent scout, whatever it might be. And if that were to happen, and those guys all went ahead of Jared Verse, worst-case scenario, he could fall – to early third, very late second. And if that is the case, there's an argument to be made that with NIL and tremendous upside in work ethic, of which he has, that he could make himself a lot more money by coming back and putting a good, solid year on film. Remember, he's going to get paid if he comes back here a pretty sizable sum of money. I mean, the collective right now, Battle's End, has shown they're not afraid. So they're going to give that guy a lot of money. I don't know what you guys all want to know what that is. I don't know what that looks like. I have an idea. And it's in the hundreds of thousands, okay? If you're going to school for free and you are eating for free, and do not forget he already has an NIL deal with a local car dealership, so his ride is free. He has no car payments. He doesn't pay for food. He doesn't pay for lodging. And he's going to have money. 
it's not a bad option, right, guys? Can you imagine any of us in college if somebody said, here's $300,000, and oh, by the way, you'll never pay for food, you won't have to pay for where you live, and you don't have to pay for a car? Yeah, man, I think we could have done all right. In fact, I would have loved to have seen how that turned out. Probably not good for me uh, if left to my own devices, but uh, good times, right? So he's not going to be longing. He values education. His parents value education. He's a smart kid. He's on track to graduate early. So there are a lot of viable reasons why Jared Verse would say yes. And maybe at the time that you're listening to this, he already has. Tom, anything to add to that? I think I laid it out pretty bare there as to the reasons we might hear the good news about Jared Verse. Yeah, well, I'd say I'd just approach it as an NFL fan. And, you know, what the Buccaneers, my team, will need this offseason is a lot of things. Um, Short of a miraculous decision of Tom Brady to come back to the same situation. Tampa is going to be starting over in a lot of different places. And rush end is one of those places where I wouldn't hate if their first round pick went. I think it should go offensive line, but they need a rush end. So I'm looking at as an NFL fan and what NFL franchises are looking at, you're going to make a pick in the twenties. Even that means you had a successful season the year prior. You are still risk averse. You want something that is going to be the highest percentage chance of success. You can't you can't afford to flame out with a first round pick. In the end, the best you can hope for in the first round is a coin flip, maybe sixty percent of a hit rate. We did a study on that years and years ago with yeah. our staff of the JCS. But you you don't want to take a thirty percent chance on a guy who has a half a year of tape that I could actually evaluate. Some of which isn't that great, frankly speaking, and it could be for the reasons that you enumerate, which is. He's raw, and he wasn't 100% for much of the season. But if I am a general manager who is going to be judged upon my success as a right, draft, right, right, and I, I'm not going to take a risk with that guy unless unless I am uh, replete with top 50 picks. You know, if we've seen the situations with the Jets and the Giants in recent years, but uh, the Patriots years ago, there are teams every draft that have a ton of picks because yeah. they bent somebody over on the trade market before. Seattle is going to be that team this year because yeah. of the Russell Wilson trade. Seattle's picking top five with Denver's pick. It's a beautiful thing for them. So if you're in that type of situation, you could take a risk. The 25th pick doesn't really mean 25 if you've got four picks in the top 50 or 60. But if I'm a, a team or, or a fan of a team, with one shot at the first round, I'm sorry. I haven't seen enough of Jared Verse to warrant that pick. And me on draft day as a fan saying, yeah, I like where this one's going to go. Too much risk. Too much risk. Well, it's a good point. GMs like to uh, be employed. They're paid handsomely. Uh, but they are, they they also command a very volatile position, right? They, they, they own a job that a lot of people would like to have until they have the job and realize that it's pretty precarious because the best GMs fail often in the draft uh, with several picks because it is a coin flip in a lot of ways. Now they are risk averse as you're, you're correct to point out. And it's about percentages. Did you make the right choice based on the information you had with the least amount of volatility in the selection? And if you did and it doesn't work out, do you have a viable fallback? Hey, that's who we had to take. You understand the math here. A lot of GMs will get a pass if you take the quarterback that your owner wanted and that the fan base wanted and that whose film was flawless in college. Even if that GM is looking at that player going, guys, I have my doubts. 
I don't, I don't like what I see. You guys do, but I don't. And I know he was on a winning team, and I know he was a Heisman candidate, and I know he put up numbers in college, but there's this, this, and this that I don't like, and I would rather go somewhere else. Even if they feel that way, they can be easily swayed by the powers that be that know, all right, if I make that pick, you all wanted that pick. You all thought he was a sure thing. You can't fire me for doing that. I took the guy that percentages said were right, even though I had my doubts. Well, that's not Jared Verse. I mean, Jared Verse is a guy is, by definition, a volatile pick at this point. You could argue if you were a GM in the room, guys, he has the best upside of any of these ends. Is he the most accomplished? No. Does he have the tape in abundance that you want to see to calm your nerves? No, he doesn't. He has some moments. He has some plays and a couple of games that tell me he has the highest upside of any of these ends. That ain't going to work on draft day if you're trying to make a first-round pick. That's not the argument. Unless, like you said, you're a team with three first-round picks in two seconds or something like that. I'd make it real simple for him, too. Like, again, if you're guaranteed that you could be a top 50 pick and that's the number that you need to hit, then go. Like, this is – I would be an advocate and I could play the role of whatever side I need to hear about the advisory teams. But if you want to make a simple comp, Jermaine Johnson, last year, going into the draft, we all knew he was a stud in terms of what he did in college, in terms of the measurables, the size, the ability, the variety of what he could do, the motor, the care, the culture, all those things. The body. Check, 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 check. He went 26th, you know, and and is, is Jared Verse anything close to Jermaine Johnson in terms of proof being in the pudding? The size, I mean, the culture part, sure. The motor part, yeah. But does he have the measurables the way that Jermaine had? Does he have the tape, the comprehensive nature of his one-off year tape? No, no, he doesn't. And honestly, if I'm being brutal in the room with Jared and you think that you can improve to a place where he could be a top 20 pick or a top 15 pick, you'd say you had a real crack at this against a really good offensive line in November. Didn't work out so well for you against Florida, did it? Are we really going to base our hopes if we believe that the first round is the cutoff point of whether we're going to go or we're going to stay, that you at the combine or workouts or wherever you go are going to do better in that situation than you did against Florida? Take the several hundred thousand dollars, come back, invest in yourself. This is not like it used to be. It's not a zero-sum game with an insurance contract against an injury. Well, you're going to get paid handsomely. And guess what? You're going to be so busy over the next year that that money's just going and sitting in the bank. You don't have time to spend much on anything except if you want to accessorize a car or maybe go on a vacation, take your folks on a vacation. Other than that, the life of a student athlete, yes, a student athlete is still really busy, especially if you care about your education. So all that money's just going to get tucked away. Dude, take the money in your back pocket yeah. if you really think that you can ascend and reduce your own ri- reduce your own risk of where you're going to go in the draft. I think it's a no-brainer at that point. But there are different players whose ceiling is third round or fourth round. Jamie Robinson. You know, Jamie Robinson's not magically going to be a top 15 pick in the NFL. It's just not going to happen. So if he's maximized what he is, get the hell out of here. But Jared's finish to the season and also the risky nature of the lack of film, he he can improve a ton and not walk away with nothing. If he yeah, tried. I think, uh, Tom, I, my guess is from talking to people, he'd be uh, a mid to late second at this point. And I think that he can play his way easily 
into being a first-round pick this next year. Like a bona fide, the tape is there, the proof is in the pudding. That's a first-round pick. By the way, the, the aforementioned Jermaine Johnson, who I love and will be forever indebted to, and I thought had did everything right when he was here. He, he dominated on the football field. He had a great attitude. He was a tremendous leader. He did everything he needed to do in the weight room, showed people how to work on a daily basis, all the things that we talk about, right? Body type was sick. He, second, he walked onto the field. We went, that's different. Jermaine Johnson, last week for the Jets, had one tackle. Jermaine Johnson, the week before against Jacksonville, had a, his best game of the season. He had four tackles. The week before that, he had four tackles. week before that, he had none. The week before that, he had one. The week before that, he had one. The week before that, he had one. The week before that, he had two. The week Jermaine Johnson has two sacks. Jermaine Johnson is a backup. He does not start. This is a much more surefire pick than Jared Verse, and he's a backup averaging about two tackles a game. Yeah, well, again, you know, if the first round is a, and let's just say you even get to a top 10 or top 15 pick, is a, a 60% proposition, you know, and that's what you can hope for at most. That's a massive percentage of risk. Still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we talk about it with the chances of victory and, and the FPI model. You can even look at election forecast models like Nate Silver does and other people do ahead of a general or a midterm election. It's like 63% chance that the House is controlled by dot, dot, dot. 37% is a massive chance. That's a volatile. Yeah. 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 If you're a poker player, you know that all too well. You know, you could play it right and you get destroyed. And at the moment you make a decision, even if you know all the cards, 65, 70% chance. So what, what's the point of that? Jermaine Johnson was a much higher risk of success or chance of success than what Jared Verse is. So again, it, it's that awkward position that you're put in when you're assessing somebody at the next level or professionally that, you know, it's almost like you're knocking and saying they can't do anything. Of course, he's a, he's a breakout player. Of course, he's a star on Florida State next year. And of course, I think he's got a really good chance to have a second contract, maybe more at the NFL level. But if you're talking about when you go, when that's when that's proper value off a draft board, it's just it's a fundamentally different conversation. I enjoy having it every year when we switch the college cap and we put on the pro cap. And in this case, it just so happens, I think, to benefit Florida State. And that's a win-win situation in the NIL era because the kid doesn't get screwed. Without question. Yesterday, we did a video, myself, Gene Williams, Ira Chaffel. It is going to run um, congruent to a story that Ira is posting. I think it's probably already out at the time that you're listening to this. So if you're listening to this now, go check Warchant.com and find that story and read it. And you'll see embedded in that story the video of which I'm referencing and which we discussed for state and the priority to extend the head coach, Mike Norvell, and what that might look like. When we come back, I'm going to talk about some of those parameters and talk about the position Florida State's in as they sit down with the head coach and figure out what is a reasonable contract moving forward that protects both parties. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every 
time or your money back guaranteed. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. The Cameron Show is a production of the Warchant.com Multimedia Network. Check out Warchant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's Warchant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. My friends at Orange Theory put it on me yesterday, guys. I'm not doing the new year, new me thing. All the foibles I still have, I, I have. I carried them with me into 2023. But I am telling you, uh, that a lot of people, obviously, as we get a fresh start, think to themselves, what can I do to better myself on a daily basis? And whether that is because it's a New Year's resolution or just an effort to be better or at your best or to have more energy or to be at the right weight for you, whatever it might be, I would tell you that a nice option, and this is whether it's a resolution or just an effort to get better, would be Orange Theory Fitness. And uh, yesterday we did some sustained Base pace followed by push pace, followed by one minute all out, followed by back to base pace, followed by get your ass over to the rower. And I'm a little sore. I'm a little sore, Tom, as we sit here today. But I'll let everybody know, Orange Theory Fitness, two locations. Coaches, thorough, they care, they teach. You'll be better. You'll get better on a daily basis. And it's not as intimidating as you think. Members aren't really worried about what kind of pace you're running, how fast you row how much weight you lift on the floor. They're trying to keep themselves together for an hour so they can get out the door and get on with their day better than when they came in. They're not worried about how much faster or slower you are than them. Go give it a try. First workout's free. Midtown location, north side location, Orange Theory Fitness. So yesterday's show uh, or yesterday's video that I alluded to before the commercial break, for those listening on 93.3, was that, we know Florida State is going to have to, and I say going to have to, wants to extend Mike Norvell after this campaign. And if you think about the evidence here, this is a fun conversation, just like the last one was. The evidence is overwhelming that Mike Norvell is the real deal. Like, you don't have to waver on that. Now, if you want to get into the weeds and nuanced arguments of, is he a national championship coach? Nobody is until they are. Nobody is until they are. So projecting who's going to be the next one, we did this with Jimbo Fisher. I had a daily argument because I was a big proponent of Jimbo Fisher and got out in front of it before his name was even listed as an OC candidate here and wanted him here. People forget that as OC under Nick Saban with LSU, Jimbo Fisher, yes, won a national championship, but he also put together, cobbled together at that time with the way that offenses looked and the guiding principles of offensive football, the number one offense in the SEC. Now, if you go back and look at those numbers by way of comparison to today's numbers, they won't blow you away. But at that time, especially in that conference, which was a run-heavy conference, Jimbo Fisher had struck the balance and won a national championship, put together great offenses. I wanted him. He came. There were connections here. And we all argued about whether or not he'd win a national championship. Well, he did. Well, he did. And then we all know what happened. All right. So you take the good with the bad. I don't know if Mike Norvell is a national championship coach, but I do know that Mike Norvell inherited a nightmare 
And I mean a nightmare. Because the next guy to come along, who I was wrong about, but was also a proponent for, based on recruiting acumen, or what I thought would be recruiting success. Turned out I was wrong on all fronts. Lily Taggart turned out to be a fraud. The behind-the-scenes stuff was worse than the -the on-the-field stuff, and the -the on-the-field stuff wasn't good. But given that that tenure ended in disaster and that at the point that Mike Norvell came in, he was then the third new coach in four years, and given that upon his arrival, he was introduced by, good to be here, here's some COVID. So – You had a stretch of, I can't talk to coaches and I have no affiliation with people in this state. I can't talk to players or bring them here. I have no relationship basis basis by which to build this program that is in shambles, in shambles, financially strapped, emotionally vacant. You had a disaster on your hands. Nobody was coming to games And then you had all of the stuff outside the field of play that was obviously out of his control when I'm talking about a a pandemic. So Mike had to trust himself, put together a staff, and believe in the face of overwhelming adversity and horrific results on the football field, some of which happens in a rebuild, some of which were his fault. He doesn't go completely without blame. Jacksonville State game comes to mind. But... He stayed the course because he believed in what he professed. He believed in the way to turn this around was thoroughly through an investment in each other and hard work. And he believed that if you stayed true to that and if the messaging across the coaching staff stayed true to that, kids would come around and know that you were not a fraud and that this was going to have very real tangible benefits. If you marry that with some good fortune this time around on the back end, meaning the portal and his ability to mine the portal and assess players from other programs that were fully developed and could could step in and immediately upgrade their status for the next level and improve the field on the field here. Well, Mike cashed in the chips, didn't he? He won. He won. He won 10 games this year, swept his rivals, beat Miami in a way that we're still talking about. 45 to three, unless we forget. And has the program, we think, moving in the right direction. So it's exciting, and you want to invest in exciting. You want to invest when your fans believe in the product. But most importantly, you want to invest when you have tangible evidence that players are getting better, the program is on the rise, and that it's rooted in something that is real and sustainable. And Mike has done that. This is... Priority number one or two for the current athletic director, Mike Alford. They want to get this done. Now, I'm going to argue about how you get this done because Jimmy Sexton is going to do what Jimmy Sexton does. He's going to position his client, Mike Norvell, in a way that gets him the most amount of money, the longest term deal, and the least amount of buyout. And whenever you talk about contract, you have to talk about term, salary, and buyout. And Florida State, too, has to learn some lessons from the end of the Jimbo Fisher era where that guy could walk and there was very little money coming back to you for his client, Jimmy's, taking the Texas A&M job. They had to protect themselves because of the disaster and the, and, the, and the misguided, and I was part of that 
group, not in the official sense, uh, attempt to bring Willie Taggart in and, and, and get this turned around and the monies that they owed him. They have to look at how do we do this so that if somebody poaches our head coach, we are going to have a King's ransom in return to pursue the next head coach. But also, how do we reward a man who we know is the right coach for the job here and we want to pay him accordingly? Well, by pay him accordingly, what do you mean? Well, you have to look at the going rate of the best coaches in the country. And while he's not going to make Nick Saban money and he's not going to make anywhere near, let's say, even Lane Kiffin money. Lane Kiffin makes just over $9 million a year. I would not pay Mike Norvell that. Uh, Jimmy's going to try to get that. What you do have to look at is what Florida and Miami pay their coaches. And you have to look at how competitive can you be in that market? Because in addition to beating Florida and Miami, you have to beat them for recruits. You have to beat them in the perception game. And you have to certainly pay your coach a reward for having just vanquished both those coaches thoroughly. And moving forward, you don't want used against you. Well, look at all the success Mike Norvell's had, and he's the third highest paid coach in the state. They don't invest in football at Florida State. You don't want that negative recruiting. I don't think you can do that right now with what Florida State's done with roster retention, what Florida State has in the way of that collective, and the investment. Now you have a, 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 a brand new football only facility they've broken ground on. It is fairly evident to all that Florida State is greatly invested in the future of football. All right, where are we at? Well, Mike began somewhere in the fours. At the end of the current deal, he'd be around, I think, 6.7. 6.7. You're going to rip that up. And I think you're going to add four. And you're going to probably make it between 7.5 and 8.5. That's the guess. 7.5 and 8.5 shows you're serious. It puts him in a position to be highly competitive with any of the top-tier programs in the country and what they pay their coaches. And it certainly puts you um, in the neighborhood or even slightly ahead of the coaches in the state of Florida. So that's what I'm projecting. I don't know. But I would just tell you it's somewhere in the middle because you don't want to reset the market with Mike Norvell, but you do want to give him a handsome raise and one that shows you're very serious about the future of Florida State football. And if those are your guiding parameters there, that's the number that you arrive at. Yeah, I'd say that the hard part for Florida State here, if you're just talking about winning the deal, winning the contract, is that we're still in a position of, of desperation uh, to a degree, a lack of leverage. I think when it comes down to it, if Mike Norvell wanted to be petty and win the deal, comprehensively he could now he doesn't strike me as that type because he sees the bigger picture it's like anything else you know if you work at a company that has an owner or a ceo that gets it they understand that you know you've got to invest a little bit of money to make some money and and in turn what does that mean for mike norvell well i don't need 100 percent of the disposable income i need that income spread across a staff a support staff, more positions in the athletic department underneath the football program to make sure that our program has a chance to succeed so I can get my next contract. If, you know, if I go for broke right now, all me and nothing else, I'm going to win in the short term, but I'm not going to win in the long term. I think Mike Norvell has a vision that's like that. But the fun part is, you know, who needs whom more? Right now, the university needs Mike Norvell 
more than the other way around because he has gotten to this place. And the thing about Mike that that has been so impressive from day one, and this this was well before there was anything impressive on the football field, was that people who were in the building over there, who were around Jimbo and Willie and now Mike, all said to a man or woman that Mike is as buttoned up, if not more buttoned up, than the original version of Jimbo Fisher, which was the one that built that thing almost by himself from the ground up because there wasn't a whole lot of infrastructure here. And that always caught my ear. I always thought, wow, that's that's really fascinating that here's a guy who's more organized. And it seems like he's got more balance, too, to himself. He understands the game from a, a, a university relations and a booster relations standpoint in a way that I don't think Jimbo ever did. People were hungry and they were starving, really, for football success at a level that if you just whiff Nick Saban's name at him, if you're Jimbo, they're going to spend the money. They were tired of the lost decade. They were going to spend. People were jaded when Mike got here. People were jaded, and he didn't have immediate success, and he wasn't bringing in a top five class or a top 10 class immediately. He had to prove it to them, and you don't just prove it to people with success on the football field like this year. You had to prove it behind the scenes. You had to go to those booster events. You had to make time for people. You had to make them feel important. So, you know, Mike's value is not just with what he does on the field and how this thing has turned. His value is also that he understands how to run an organization, and he's proven that, and that actually was a predecessor to the on-field success. So that's, that's what makes him worth more, and you're fond of saying this, and I agree, in the era of the transfer portal, NIL, and so forth, this is the era of the CEO coach more than it ever has been before. Bobby Bowden was one of the OGs as a CEO head football coach, but in this era, you kind of have to be. It's not a style that you choose. You kind of have to be. And Mike Norvell has shown from day one that he understands the big picture. In fact, I remember discussions we had where we said, this almost feels like he's running an NFL franchise more than it is a college football program. So it's a good point to make for our fans, too, because I predict that in Mike's tenure here, provided things continue to go smoothly and the program continues to build towards being a championship level program. At some point, Mike is going to have to do what Ryan day just announced that he's going to be doing at Ohio state. Ryan day calls the plays at Ohio state. Ryan day is the guy at Ohio state. And Ryan day has told people that he can't do that anymore, that he's really close to handing it over to somebody else already on staff on game day. Now he'll be a part of the game plan all week long and tell everybody you know, obviously what we do on first and 10, what we do on second and medium, third and long, situational football, you get it. They go over all these things. This is what the playbook looks like for third and five or less. So the playbook looks like for third and five or more this is what it looks like. Yeah. So he'll always be part of that. Ryan day will always be part of that, but because he has all of these other duties that you're describing now, and it is true when you are now part of a, multi hundreds of million dollar business a billion dollar business when you think of college football on the whole you really are a ceo at this point you have so many other responsibilities to take care of you have to manage this thing the way the ceos do major companies you have to the obligations you have are many and many of them are off the field and so that they're all pulling at time they're all pulling at your time right now he's young enough and has enough energy 
you're getting Mike Norvell on the on the rise. You're getting the Mike Norvell version right now that is, we would think, entering his prime. In baseball terms, you're getting the 28-year-old Manny Machado. You're getting, you know, you know what I'm saying? You're getting that guy that has shown the proclivity to be great and the inconsistencies are waning the more reps he gets. So Mike is really, for a coach, when you think about the age of a coach, where they have enough experience behind them and enough energy because of the current age they're at and you see a positive future ahead of them, that's early 40s. Early to mid 40s is the sweet spot for coaches in that way. Now, there are coaches that have had great success in their late 50s, early 60s, and coaches that have had success at you know 35, but they're usually outliers and or they've built something to a place where that can happen. Mike is on the rise, and I, I just think you have to show him the appreciation while also protecting yourself. So it's an interesting game, and you are right about all that stuff off the field, that this is a guy that has come in here and, and provided hope and changed the culture, both in the locker room, but also in that building, in that more athletic center. He has changed the building. People go to work, and they do so with a smile on their face. They were not doing that for the better part of the last seven years before his arrival. You know, that, that's how long they had been beaten down. Yeah, I think the thing, and, and uh, there are points to be made to knock him. So I'm not just, you know, that what I just said before sounds like it's all rosy and state-sponsored media. Now, there are things to knock him for. Well, I mean, for his age, he's, I mean, he's immature in t- at times. Yeah, but what I'd say is it's rare for somebody at that age who's not much older than me, which is spooky. I don't like mm. this development of like, you know. Oh, but hey, buddy, soon you'll be older than yeah. the next coach that you cover. Yes. Yeah, that you have to call every professional athlete on television young man. You know, it's, yeah. just, it's a little, it's a little crazy. As a talented young man. But He's at his great. age, that, that, <laughs> that his age, that he can relate very well to a player yeah. on the roster just as much as he can a booster in the stands, that is, that's different. And that's something that you want to latch on to and hold on to because those are very different settings, a locker room and a boardroom. And and it, you work in both. Uh, you know, success helps with that, of course. But people liked him before the success got to this level. Now, the thing I'd say as words of caution, because this is what you got to do in a negotiation. It's very much like the Jared verse discussion. You got to knock the person in order to bring him back down to earth. Are we going to have a Jacksonville State or NC State every year? Are we going to have one of those? Because they're inexplicable loss one year. The next year, another inexplicable loss. Right, so do we have to put that in pen? Because we had we used to call something a Jimbo special even way back in the day. Do we have to worry about a Norvell special? Is that a thing that we've got to, that we've got to focus on every year? And when we do W's and L's next year, do we have to circle something like that? I think that, that I think would be number one. Number two would be, all right, Joker. You finally put some, you, know, you got a winning product on the field. Are we going to close on some high school recruits? Well, that's a big one. And I think that's where the change in the secondary is going to help them. But I think Jimmy's, you, you, you argued a moment ago, that Jimmy's kind of got Florida State over a barrel if they want to push it. And hearing your knocks, I realized just how strong the position is <laughs> for yeah. Jimmy. Oh, because the counter is, yeah, those inconsistencies will wane as we get a better roster, which we're clearly in the process of doing. And now that we're winning games and we're adding to the coaching staff. So, I mean, well, and the other thing is, Hey man, uh, you know, Jordan Travis was already here when you got here now credit for developing him. But I mean, did you really think he was going to be that you went and got Mackenzie Milton? 
So did you really think he was going to be that? Or are <laughs> you lucky? And what does this team do this year if Tate is the quarterback for all 12 games? I know he had a great half, and that's wonderful. But if you had a, a replacement-level ACC quarterback here and not Jordan Travis, who is unbelievably gifted at one thing and is now adding to those gifts with yeah. more than adequate play as a passer, what what are we? You know, are we a five-loss team again this year? Is it? Are you one player away from us saying, hmm, so I see. Well, and that that one may be the most valid because anytime you have a superstar at the most important position on the field, it can cloud your vision as to what's real and what's not because that dude makes mistakes go away. And he's become a really, really, really talented and uh, and buttoned up week in, week out starter at that position, which is, again, the most important position on the field. Speaking of, let's uh, segue from this to a real quick segment in a moment when we come back. It is the Treshawn Ward Appreciation segment. Uh, it's next on the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Cameron Show is a production of the WarChant.com Multimedia Network. Check out WarChant.com today for the latest news inside Florida State Athletics. That's WarChant.com. Now, back to Jeff on Real Talk 93.3. <laughs> segment here we got rather lengthy the last two but those are meaty discussions before i say thank you to Treshawn ward tom lang addendum or add-on quickly to uh, what we were talking about you wanted to make a point yeah it's just very simple these are it's like debate class i'm i'm forming an argument where yeah. do i believe the truth is somewhere in the middle but you know when you pile on with the rosy and you pile on with the negative people take that out of context so yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't dash on to one or the other yeah you guys get it thank you yeah. Yeah, you always play to the smartest people in the room, Tom. We're not worried about those dumbasses that are going to do that. Here we go. Now, next thing we say is this, and that is, thank you, Treshawn Ward. thought it was very interesting that Mike Norvell had a tweet last night, a lengthy one, uh, giving thanks to Treshawn Ward. It shows you, and also Treshawn Ward's effort in the bowl game and the fact that he played it even though he was going to be leaving, uh, probably internally he knew that. Uh, and, and so he makes the announcement that he's going to be transferring where hopefully he can be the guy somewhere. I don't know where that'll be, but he can be the guy somewhere and he's earned it. I, he's universally respected and liked, uh, and probably loved by his fellow teammates. But for those of us that cover the program, program respected and liked and well thought of walk on scholarship player, starter, viable plus player, I'm not going to tell you he'll be missed in the sense that Florida State has 15 running backs. I am going to tell you that kind of attitude want to was a big part of the turnaround for Florida State, and he represents in large part that significant shift in daily work ethic and belief in what Mike Norvell was teaching. And uh, obviously he was very, very, very productive on the field as well. I'll never overlook that. So we just want to wish him all the luck in the world. There are guys that leave this program, and I go, never going to think about you again. I'll never think about Sam McCall again. I don't really care. Treshawn, I'll think about years from now. I'll sit around and think, man, that kid, good for that kid, man. He was a part of a culture change, and he was really good on the football field and helped us win some damn games. 
where he goes, you're going to look at the box score. You'll you'll search it out to see how he's doing. You'll take a look at his stats a few times next year. The thing I'd say is, you know, there are shoes to fill. His style was different than Trey Benson. Trey's going to drive us nuts sometimes by being timid. Trey Sean was not that, and he was a difference in this bowl game. And he also improved his stock for where he could go by playing in that bowl game. If it was a bet, it was a good bet because he won that bet. And I just, yeah, I hope he has all the success in the world. We will need somebody to fill his shoes, but this is a good sign for the program because as you get better, you're going to say goodbye to very talented players through the portal. It's just the nature of the beast now. Yeah, they got a lot of options to fill in there, a lot of varieties of styles and size and everything else that come back to fill in those shoes. You're right. You're going to lose good players as you continue to stockpile good players within any segment Group hour number two, forthcoming. It is Jeff Cambridge Show 933 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Please. 